Let's go on to the report of the city manager, Mr. Shields. Well, thank you, Mayor Tarter and members of council. So for the report of the city manager tonight, I'll, I'll take our time uh, to present our proposed FY24 operating budget and capital improvements plan. And um, I've got um, a slideshow that um, if Ms. Koshur could uh, pull that up and, and we'll walk through about 20 slides on the general uh, government uh, proposed budget. And then we will, uh, we are also joined by our colleagues with the school board. We have uh, Chair Laura Downs who is here and our superintendent, Superintendent Noonan. Um, and they will present the school board's uh, budget request. Um, and uh, so first, uh, Ms. Kutcher, we'll start with the, the city manager's uh, uh, slides. And as those are getting uh, keyed up uh, for the presentation, um, I do want to just say a few words of thanks to, oh, I get to advance the slides. Thank you. So um, first, uh, let me just say it's an honor to be before you to begin the process of, of working through plans for, for the coming year. Um, we do have a growing city. People can see that with the construction activity that we just were talking about a moment ago. People can see that with the construction cranes that are throughout the city. Uh, people can see that with the transformative capital improvements program that we'll be discussing tonight. Um, and so growing with vision is an organizing principle of how we've developed the budget this year. Um, so we'll talk about the initiatives that are aligned with that vision. Um, we'll talk about tax rates and fees, and then we'll talk about the schedule and the process going forward. Then we'll be joined by the, our, our colleagues with the school board to give an overview of the budget request from, from the schools and then a discussion from there. Oops. There we go. Thank you. So our first slide, um, before I, I launch in, I, I, I would like to just make a few words of thanks. Um, our finance director, Kieran Bawa, is at the center of all of our financial planning. Um, and Melissa Ryman, our deputy chief of finance, is our guru who knows all the numbers and where all the pennies are across the city. And we really could not do this work without Melissa. Our, our great CIP team, and when we talk about the CIP, you'll see what a, uh, an important and transformative capital improvements program it is, um, led by Cindy Mester. And we've been doing a, um, having the benefit of a great work by Caitlin Sobsey. Um, and at your next work session on the 3rd, Caitlin will actually be presenting the CIP to you. Um, and we'll talk about just an overview of it tonight. But I also want to thank OCOM. Um, Susan and Maggie have been uh, working with finance and with me just on thinking about communications over the whole budget consideration period of time. And we'll talk about steps in that, uh, but also just getting information out through uh, one-pagers, uh, through our local newspaper, and through really great budget videos. There's a CIP budget video that we'll point uh, the public to, and we'll have our departments and our constitutional officers all produced a budget video as well that will provide about a two to four minute overview of each departmental budget. So thank you uh, for, for all the people who have been involved in this. So we'll start with some numbers. Um, overall, the, uh, the general government uh, budget would, is proposed at uh, $48.3 million for FY24, which represents about a five and a quarter percent increase over the prior year. 
The school transfer, which you'll hear about in more detail, following the principles of revenue sharing. Uh, as the council is aware, revenues did grow um, between the period of, of uh, budget guidance, which was uh, done in December and March, once the assessments were finalized and once we finalized our revenue for, uh, uh, projections. So what we've built in or what I've built into the budget uh, before you is a school transfer amount that reflects those principles of revenue sharing. And so the school transfer would grow also at about a five and a quarter percent. Um, the budget has a number of fee supported initiatives and those include building permit fees to manage the construction activity across the city. But we'll also talk about traffic calming and using camera technology for speed enforcement. And we'll talk about how those fees or violation revenues will fund some of our initiatives as well. Pay-as-you-go capital is an important part of our budget with $1.5 million going towards maintaining our facilities, our fleet, and other one-time expenditures. Our debt service is uh, declining slightly next year, just due to the normal amortization of debt. Um, we are not proposing the issuance of any new general fund supported debt next year or the year after. Um, and we'll talk more about that with the CIP. And the capital reserves, uh, they are um, a, a slight increase of $180,000 $180, for our capital reserves. However, of that $4.68 million uh, for capital reserves, a good bit of that is being deployed through the pay-as-you-go uh, budget as well as we, as we begin for the first time to draw down reserves for pay-as-you-go capital. So uh, I, I spoke at the beginning about uh, the organizing principles of this budget being growing with vision. Um, and growing vi with vision, we'll talk about kind of what that means in a lot of different contexts, uh, but clearly it means upholding excellent core government services, sustaining our award-winning city schools. Uh, we'll talk about their transformative CIP and, our, and uh, the resources we need to execute that, advancing community priorities uh, through the council's work plan and through the adopted um, uh, comprehensive plan, and all the while maintaining uh, a very uh, fiscally sound operation. As mentioned, there's no issuance of new debt that's supported uh, by the general fund in this proposed budget. And we do have a lot of grants that we're bringing into the city. One of the top priorities in this year's budget is investing in our city workforce. Um, and investing in the city workforce means both compensation and learning and development. But even before you get to those things, a high-performing culture really depends on a spirit of service in our workforce that I think we all saw uh, evidence of tonight with our employees of the year. The very strong relationships we build amongst each other on our workforce, but also with community and continual learning and development. In terms of competitive compensation, uh, the City Council reviewed our compensation and classification study and, and um, that came out in November of last year. Uh, the budget fully implements the recommendations from that study. And in addition to that, as a market adjustment, uh, we're proposing in this budget a 6% merit increase. And a merit increase means you do need to complete your annual evaluation and, um, and, and have a satisfactory result from that um, annual evaluation before receiving uh, this proposed increase. Uh, 
The police are on a COLA and STEP program, but they put, taken together, those average a 6% increase for our police department as well. And the budget um, steps up our, our budget for professional development uh, at a level of $107,000 um, in FY24. So growing with vision, uh, one of the things that means is growing together and the, uh, and the council's priority for equity and inclusion. The budget includes 120,000 that's built into the tax rate for affordable housing. That includes expanding the rental subsidy program to include um, subsidies so that families that are in the ADU program can, uh, can uh, achieve or have access to housing in the city um, if those households are at 30 to 40% of AMI. Um, we have $20,000 for emergency rent assistance. This is a continuation of work we did throughout the pandemic. And because the state has ended its support, uh, we are asking to have draws on our ARPA allocations to help those in need. Uh, the Community Services Fund has identified needs in partnership with our uh, NGO community. And those would be funded at $116,000 with a combination of local and ARPA dollars. And then, of course, we're using CDBG funds as planned for the maintenance and upkeep of our Virginia Village properties. The CIP, as was done last year, is developed with an equity lens. So we're really thinking about where our investments across the city are going and particularly trying to uh, bring in communities that have been underserved historically with things like sidewalks and, and other infrastructure in the city. Growing with vision means growing green. And our environmental sustainability uh, plan touches all of uh, operations of the city government. Really importantly, right now, we have our community energy plans that are under development now. And those are going to inform future budget uh, decisions um, as we implement those action plans. But the CIP is also developed with an environmental impact lens uh, with our stormwater programs, uh, both helping us with resilience against flooding, but also implementing green infrastructure as identified by our stormwater task force, now our PUC. Uh, we're working towards our conversion to electric feet, fleet. We had a, a great ceremony just uh, two weeks ago or last week about our bus conversions uh, to electric vehicles. But we've also gone out to get grants to help our DPW fleet uh, both get chargers installed at the property yard, but also to purchase electric and hybrid vehicles in our DPW operations. 200000 is in the tax rate or in, in uh, the pay-as-you-go part of the budget for fleet modern, modernization. On the sanitary sewer side, uh, backflows in people's basements. This has been a concern during flooding events in the past. And uh, the CIP funds efforts to reduce inflow and infiltration that's the cause of that. We also have some placeholders for solar arrays on city facilities uh, so that putting it in our plan will help us go out and get grant dollars to help execute those plans. Growing with vision means growing safely. And so one of the, the things that's funded in the budget is an additional school resource officer. It was funded this year with a grant. And now we're converting to bring that into the tax rate, essentially, and, um, and have that um, funded uh, locally. Uh, the Mental Health Response Initiative. We've been working with our 
uh, mental health therapist at the Aurora House so that she can serve the police department when we respond to critical incidences with individuals that are having a mental health crisis. Um, it's a very innovative um, approach to this. We still uh, work with Fairfax County on their larger program, but to have that local resource deployed with our police is something that we're funding in this budget. Camera enforcement. Uh, we're adding an additional photo red intersection and new speed enforcement cameras, as discussed at work session about two months ago. In building safety, uh, council funded additional positions last year to make sure that we're managing all the construction activity across the city safely and effectively. This budget uh, includes two new positions, a right-of-way inspector and a, an additional fire inspector. We currently have one fire inspector. We would increase that uh, with a part-time position. Um, those are both paid for largely with fees. In the area of IT, we do have funding in the CIP for IT renewal, really to protect us against cyber attacks and other vulnerabilities. And, um, and uh, so we'll discuss that in the IT, uh, in the CIP, and our fire station improvements is an ongoing investment in partnership with Arlington County. Uh, growing with vision means growing more walkable and more bikeable. Um, our six-year CIP includes $93 million in transportation improvements, the majority of which are grant-funded. Um, in FY24, built into the tax rate is $167,000 for new sidewalks and streetlights. That's a continuation of that pay-as-you-go effort. And $200,000 for the neighborhood traffic calming program. Um, we do fund in this budget the Transportation Safety Rapid Response Crew, which the council funded with one-time money in the current year, and now we're sustaining that into the future and building that into the, the core uh, operating budget going forward. And this budget also sustains this infrastructure maintenance that we've uh, built into pay-as-you-go as well for paving, traffic signal maintenance, what we were discussing just a moment ago, and sidewalk maintenance. Our growing with vision means growing the economy. And um, some of the uh, examples of that is uh, working with the EDA on the tourism grants that, uh, that we've recently obtained. Those are in the budget. In addition, with the availability of federal and state grants, uh, we're asking for an additional position in the city to help us administer those grants and also do some succession uh, planning and some internal promotions um, uh, to sustain our CIP program. Uh, downtown beautification, we sustain that with a portion of the hotel tax uh, for flower baskets and, and uh, tree lighting and, and, uh, and, the, and the things that you see very visible in our commercial districts. And then one thing we do want to talk about with the CIP is we are proposing $9.3 million in a payment to, uh, with Fairfax County for the purchase of additional treatment capacity to help us handle the growth uh, that is occurring in the west end of town. Um, those, uh, that additional uh, treatment capacity is something that is paid for with those one-time connection fees that developers pay. So growing with vision means preserving our small town character even as we grow. And our Mary Riley Stiles Public Library, one of the beloved institutions of the city, uh, the budget does increase the hours of operation from 56 hours per week to 58 hours per week targeting those times during the weekend that the, that the, the public um, has expressed the most desire for additional hours. 
Uh, we built into the budget $80,000 of council contingency. So as we're considering other council initiatives, including the option of increasing library hours further or funding some of the other special events and, and other um, uh, elements of the community energy plan, uh, we'll have some funding uh, to begin uh, working on those, those initiatives as well. Uh, we do have significant investments in the CIP and our park master plans, and we also begin the effort of the design for the Fellows Park and the execution of those designs. So I've, I've listed some of the big areas of focus in the budget, and this is a summary of how those, uh, those dollar amounts um, stack up. Clearly, investment in our workforce uh, and employee compensation is the, is the largest piece of this proposed budget and reflects that priority. Um, in addition to that, we have uh, some costs that we can't control, such as our interjurisdictional contracts with Arlington County and Fairfax County, health insurance, uh, the transportation safety re rapid response crew to sustain that in the budget going forward is, is funded at the level of $360,000. Uh, the, uh, the other initiatives that we discussed uh, briefly in, in our overview are listed here as well as the fee position, uh, the fee supported positions. And then the last item shown here is the council contingency funded with 80,000. Um, we'll have our session next week uh, with a, a deeper dive on the capital improvements program, but a couple of just sort of the big picture on it. Um, investments in transportation total $93 million. Investments in our facilities, our fleet, and our parks, including a new front entrance to the Oak Street School, um, those total $25 million. All these figures are over the six-year uh, planning horizon for the CIP. Our sanitary sewer utility is $24 million, and our stormwater fund has a, a CIP of $12 million. All those geared towards uh, the big six uh, flood mitigation projects, as well as the green infrastructure uh, projects uh, that our PUC has prioritized. So $154 million over that six-year period. $81 million of that is coming from grant uh, um, opportunities that have been awarded. $26 million is debt financed, uh, but that is principally in the out years of the CIP, with one exception, uh, the sanitary sewer fund debt to purchase that new capacity uh, that I mentioned. We would propose to fund that with debt so that the developer fees that we're expecting over the next several years can be used to amortize uh, that, that acquisition. Uh, there are some items in the CIP that are currently unfunded, by, but by putting them in the CIP, it, it creates kind of a planning uh, placeholder and also I think gives us a step up uh, for, for uh, applications when we put, put them in uh, with the federal government to apply for uh, infrastructure grants. So I'll shift now to talk about some of our rates and fees that are um, built into the budget. Uh, so for the real estate tax rate, what is proposed is no change in the, in the tax rate of $1.23. The city council um, has reduced the real estate tax rate by 12.5 cents over the past two years um, uh, to, to bring us to that $1.23 rate. I'll talk a little bit more about assessments and, and kind of what's going on with real estate in just a moment. For the vehicle tax, uh, we're proposing a rate of $4.80. Now that's a 50 cent increase over the current year. Last year, the council reduced the car tax by 70 cents. Um, and that was due to kind of a one-time supply chain uh, 
related spike in the used car market. Next year, uh, what we're told is that the average decline in value will be somewhere around 18.3%. So a pretty stark uh, decrease in AV as we return back to more normal pricing. And so between that increase in the rate and the, and the depreciation of vehicles, um, the average tax that is paid for a vehicle will de decrease by about 8%, by just under 9% next year. So when we adjusted the vehicle tax, we were anticipating that was going to be a, a one-year anomaly. Um, a little bit more on real estate assessed values. Um, overall, assessed values are growing 5.5%. And as I mentioned, we had growth in revenues, and one of those was in the area of assessed value relative to what we presented back in December. I think in, in December we were projecting um, under 4% increase in assessed values. Now, the residential market has actually pretty much been aligned with what we projected back in December. In fact, there's a slight decrease in the residential valuations once they were finalized. So market growth of about 3.3% and new construction of about 0.3%. Um, Commercial is where the growth has been. So multifamily has a strong uh, growth as well as retail um, in the cities as, as that market sector has rebounded. Um, so uh, market growth of 6.6%, and of course, we've talked about the new construction, but that represents 4% of the growth in commercial. All in, uh, the city's assessed value of real estate is $5.4 billion. Now, these are some historical trends on our uh, real property values. And just the thing to, to note in it as you get into the 2022-2023 time frame is that growth in the green uh, part of the stack bar, which is our multifamily uh, sector, and that is uh, an area of growth as well as the commercial valuations. Um, this year, the, the growth in the residential valuations is more modest relative to prior years. The median uh, real estate tax bill, uh, if rates do stay unchanged, that would represent a 3.5% increase or $364 for your average homeowner in the city. Also, I'll just note that the median home value in the city uh, currently is $923,000. So that um, is a number that does that, that grows each year. Um, the chart uh, so shows that median tax bill, which is the line part of the graph, and then the bar represents the, uh, the tax rate itself. And as I mentioned earlier, the council has lowered the tax rate by 12.5 cents over the past two years. Just uh, two last notes, one on the sanitary sewer fund, uh, really just to deal with inflation and contract cost increases. We do uh, request a 3% increase in the sanitary sewer fee. That would represent about a $15 per year increase for your average homeowner. And we'll talk about the CIP next week, but there is a very um, a big CIP in our sanitary sewer fund. And then similarly in the stormwater fund, also just to address uh, cost increases, uh, both for compensation of employees and contractors, a 4% increase in the, in the stormwater uh, fee. That would be about an $11 increase for your average homeowner in the city over the course of the year. Um, the CIP there um, is really geared towards flood mitigation and the green infrastructure that we mentioned earlier. 
However, state and federal grants will mitigate any, uh, any fee increases that are needed in the stormwater fund. So what increases we, we anticipate we will need are really just driven by contract costs and, and normal inflation. So I'll end with just a note on, uh, on some of the key dates going forward. On Thursday this week at noon, we'll have a budget town hall meeting in this room. People can come both in person or participate virtually. That noon time is, uh, is something we started doing during the pandemic with, with an, a goal of trying to mix sometimes up, sometimes might be more convenient for people than other uh, times. So we're trying a noon time slot on March 30th. Uh, then we'll have a series of our work sessions and public hearings that will take us through the month of April. We will have a budget and finance committee meeting on April 21st where we'll go through some of the, the um, uh, some of these issues in, in, at, at, uh, in detail as well. The markup, the budget uh, work session where the council does its uh, markup is scheduled for May 1st and final adoption on May 8th. And of course, the, the budget goes into effect on July 1st uh, of 2023. So um, I'll close out uh, by just noting that all budget materials, including our departmental budget videos, can be found on the city uh, webpage that's listed here, backslash budget on the city's website. And the CIP also has a great overview video, but also the full uh, CIP program is on the, on the uh, webpage. Um, for people who have comments or public input, if they could send those to budget at fallschurchva.gov, uh, we can make sure that those get answered. Um, and then, of course, any uh, comments that go to the city council can go through the city clerk uh, portal as well. So either one will work. Um, so I will stop there. I'm happy to answer any questions now or if it's the, uh, the council's pleasure. We'll turn it over to our uh, colleagues with the school board and allow that presentation, and then we can both answer questions. I think that's probably the best way to go. Thank you, Mr. Shields, for the very informative presentation. Why don't we turn it over to our friends at the school uh, system and the school board. Welcome. So that's to advance. So okay. Right Just to the, uh, the right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Oops. Good evening. It's wonderful to see you all this evening. It's fun to be on this side of the uh, podium, of the dais. Uh, I want to thank my school board colleagues in, in the back and um, also uh, give a special thanks to uh, Ms. Krista Michael and Ms. Michelle Kopik, our budget gurus. Uh, they put countless hours into this budget and um, truly answer our questions. And we're just grateful for your leadership and uh, your expertise. So thank you, um, Ms. Michael and Ms. Kopik, and of course, Dr. Noonan, but we'll get to Dr. Noonan a little bit later. Uh, my name is Laura Downs, and I am chair of the Falls Church City School Board, and I'm here tonight to just, I guess, first of all, really thank you uh, for your partnership. And it's because of this partnership that we've been able to develop a really effective revenue sharing agreement. And that revenue sharing agreement, in turn, has enabled us for five years in a row now to present a budget to you within guidance. Our partnership has also enabled us to build an amazing new high school and an exciting new commercial development right next door to that high school. So thank you again for this partnership and for your collaboration. Uh, last year, we approved a strategic plan. It's a five-year strategic plan going from 2022 to 2027. And it really brings to life our mission and our vision. 
And I'm not gonna go through all of these slides in, in detail because I know you all have a long night ahead of you. Uh, looking at our core values, and this came out of our strategic plan, we are student-centered community, we are responsive and accountable, we promote academic success, we value inclusivity and diversity, and we provide community and connection. Our collective commitments, you can see them there, very small type, and I won't go over those in too much detail, but these again ground everyone across um, the division in our common norms. And this is uh, the portion of the strategic plan that really applies to our budget. These are our five strategic focus areas. And you'll see that the budget is tied to these focus areas. IB infused teaching and learning, wellness, equity, and belonging, resource management and continuous improvement, communication and engagement, and investing in our people. And we're gonna talk a little bit about enrollment now. As of September 30th, 2022, which is what our uh, budget is based off from the state, uh, our enrollment was at 2,534 students. And that's actually 32 students more than our projection. Our projection was 2,502. And that's because um, due to COVID, we decided to take a really conservative approach towards a projection because um, our numbers are slowly coming back, but they are slowly coming back. So our uh, projection was on the more conservative side and we ended up with more students than we had projected. Uh, in, in terms of student services, we have several um, segments of the community that need special services. Those include our economically disadvantaged students, our students with disabilities, students with a 504 plan, ESOL students, homeschooled students, and tuition students. Uh, interestingly, you'll see the tuition students have um, increased by 20%, and that is um, most, mostly because of result of a lower enrollment. So because we have a little bit of lower enrollment than we did pre-pandemic, we've got some room for tuition-paying students now. And at the top, you'll see economically disadvantaged students have increased by 15%. Our social workers continue to work with our students to support our students and their families. And again, um, we have a great partnership with the Falls Church Education Foundation. The foundation does a lot to fundraise to help those um, economically disadvantaged students and their families. So we thank the foundation for their partnership on that. In terms of long-term impacts and current projections on enrollment, um, there's been a sharp, a sharp drop in the number of births in Northern Virginia over the past couple years. Less people are going into DC to work. There's more remote work. So not as many people are needing to live close to the city. Uh, another thing to think about with our enrollment projections, the new um, development that's coming online, those new developments are not factored into the enrollment projections. Our enrollment projections for next school year, our enrollment is projected to be at 2,552, which is 18 students over where we were on September 30th. Now we're gonna talk a little bit about revenue. Um, again, for those who um, maybe of the public who might be listening, just to, as a refresher, we did uh, the school board and the city council and the general government and the schools uh, met together in December. And in the spirit of cooperation, talked about developing an annual budget um, and capital improvement plan. 
And the operating budget at that time um, was to be within organic tax revenue growth, which at that time was projected to be 4.2% over the FY23 budget, which we know now from Mr. Shields is, is a little bit higher. Uh, we also talked about as, as uh, two groups coming together that the budget should really focus on employee compensation to make sure that we're competitive within the regional labor market. It should focus on employee retention and recruitment. And I know the city council and the general government, as well as the school system, are both undergoing or have undergone salary studies. And we agreed, um, both bodies agreed that we really should make sure our budgets take into account those findings from the, from the salary studies. In terms of local uh, revenue, again, um, at the time in December, it was at 4.2. And, and according to Mr. Shields, we'll be a little bit above that, more around 5.2. Uh, and we talked about, and that is because we talked about um, with our revenue sharing methodology that any revenue coming in over the projected revenue would be split 50-50. So again, we thank you for your partnership and that revenue sharing um, agreement because that is um, critical for our success, frankly. And um, moving on, we're going to talk a little bit about state revenue here. The governor's um, proposal indicates state revenue will account for 15.9% of the school's revenue. Uh, state aid is projected to increase by 10%. Sales tax is projected to increase by 3.9%. And just a note that the General Assembly um, adjourned without adopting a state budget. They're coming back in the spring. And other revenue, uh, you know, we don't get, we don't receive much revenue from the federal government. Uh, we're looking at just an increase of 7.5%. Our beginning balance remains unchanged at $450,000. And in terms of other revenue, uh, we receive between tuition fees and then also our stop arm camera fees um, and some other uh, items that revenue totals $1.1 million. And we all know that uh, Falls Church City Public Schools really relies on the locality for our, for our funding, both the taxpayers, general government, city council. And we thank you all for, for your support. Um, FCCPS uh, relies on the city to provide 80.2% of its operating budget. 15.9% of the budget comes from the state with the remaining portion of the budget, 3.9 coming from the federal government and other grants. Okay, now we're going to look at expenditures. And as I mentioned before, we do have focus areas from our strategic plan, and our budget is tied to those focus areas from the strategic plan. And this is one of those, investing in our people. And this is by far uh, our, uh, I guess, biggest budget item. FCCPS is the largest public employer in Falls Church City with more than 500 employees. And retention and recruitment is really critical for us. And we all know that regional competition is tight now. It is, it's very tough. Uh, to receive state funding for compensation, we need at least a 5% average increase for all employees. FCCPS continues to excel regionally and nationally. We have the highest SOL scores. Um, we've had minimal learning loss, and we're back to pre-pandemic academic achievement. We're ranked number one best public school system in the state, and we've had the greatest number of IB diplomas since the program's inception. 
And as I said before, the largest budget increase is definitely investing in our people. We are a people organization. And competitive compensation is really required to recruit and retain our, our employees. This advertised budget includes a step increase, a cost of living increase, a bonus for those at the top of the salary scale, and then a placeholder to begin to address the findings of our compensation study. As we said, it is to begin to address because though we, uh, we have not received the final report though, we anticipate it to be probably close to seven figures. So, uh, and I don't wanna step on Dr. Noonan's toes, he's gonna address that in a second, but th this will just be the beginning to address some of that salary study. And here is the compensation study. So we uh, kicked that off in November of 2022 and we contracted that out. And, uh, and I, again, I don't wanna get into too many details, but basically looking at our market basket schools, which are the six, basically six major surrounding public school systems looking at what our jobs consist of and then comparing them to similar jobs in other systems and just seeing where our salaries line up. And that presentation will be given to the school board next month. So in terms of benefits uh, that support retention and recruitment, this first one is one that we are incredibly excited about and proud of. Uh, we are gonna be providing six weeks of paid parental leave to all new parents in the school system. And as far as we know, we're the only school system in this area to be doing that. So we're, we're thrilled. We are um, looking at a 10% uh, health insurance rate increase. If it comes in under that, we'll put the savings towards employee salary increases. And another piece that we are extremely excited about and proud about is our health um, benefits. So ordinarily, uh, someone who works part-time, maybe 32 hours a week, not quite full-time, would have to pay a higher rate of health care because they're not full-time. And what we're going to do now is we're going to make sure it's a level playing field that all people, no matter whether they're part-time or full-time, will receive the same health care benefits. So that includes our bus drivers, our car drivers, our bus aides, our food service workers, Jesse Thackeray preschool staff, and first grade pair of professionals. Okay, and here's just a list of compensation adjustments. I won't go through this in too great a detail, but again, a step for our eligible employees, a 2% cost of living adjustment. And some of this, again, was um, when we thought that we'd be looking at 4.2, so that some of these numbers may be changing, and Dr. Noonan and Ms. Michael may address that in a bit. Um, our compensation study placeholder, and again, you know, that this is gonna be, we anticipate several years to bring everyone up to where they need to be as a result of this compensation study. Um, longevity bonus for those at the top. And then something interesting I'll point out, and this was um, something, that, a creative idea that Dr. Noonan and Ms. Michael have, is to increase the sick leave payout for employees with five or more years of service. And what that is really about is um, encouraging our staff to hold on to their sick leave. And if we pay that sick leave at a higher rate, the hope is that they'll hold on to that sick leave, not take the sick leave if they don't need to, uh, and then thus ending up that we will have less um, scramble to find substitute teachers. So that we're, that's where that's coming from. Okay, IB infused teaching and learning. This is our next strategic focus area. Using one-time and pandemic funding, we continue to support um, teachers of ESOL students, academic, advanced academic teachers and math teachers. We've used this money for contract length extensions and recurring funding to address the IB career program fees and software cost increases. And I'm actually 
Can I flip this over to Dr. Noonan for just a second because I can't do this justice, This our new Sustainability Academy, so I'm gonna turn it over to the pro here. Great. Uh, the pro wasn't available, so uh, good evening. <laughs> um, just very quickly, I, I did want to spend a second talking about our um, our Sustainability Academy as it relates to IB-infused teaching and learning, and it's something that we've been talking about since we started developing the new high school many, many years ago. Uh, and when we brought the high school online as a net zero ready geothermal building that was lead gold, um, we were able to convert that high school into essentially a teaching tool for the students that we served. And so throughout the building, if you were to walk through, you would notice a couple of things. One is that we have continued to invest and reinvest in our hydroponics and our aquaponics program, but we also have um, built out curriculum that's associated with power and energy, alternative sources of power, ener power and energy, and there are different tours that you can go through uh, throughout the building that have barcodes that give you a sense of how the building is being used as a teaching tool. Um, by leveraging that, um, we are, are very excited uh, to be working on building out the Sustainability Academy program where students could, um, students will actually come in and take a core sequence of courses that will ultimately end up um, providing them an opportunity to get a seal or some sort of cord that goes with their diploma and graduation that they have a focus on um, sustainability and sustainable energy in particular. But the really exciting piece of this is that we're not doing it alone. Um, we've been working very closely with some regional partners and are very hopeful um, soon to be able to announce that we have two or three uh, potentially three um, different school systems that will be sending students to Meridian High School to take our courses in sustainability. Um, and ultimately, our, our big win, we think, in the next couple of years is we'd like to apply for um, the Governor's School moniker as a sustainability academy and a Governor's School around sustainability. So um, really excited about that. But what you'll see in um, the slide deck tonight is sort of what the mission is and what the vision is um, and how it dovetails really beautifully, I think, um, with respect to the IB program, um, developing the sustainable thinking, utilizing the United Nations um, uh, areas of, of sustainability. So I'm gonna turn it back over to Laura. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Noonan. And the reason I wanted Dr. Noonan to uh, just give you more information is you'll see on, on this slide here that is in terms of um, expenditure adjustments for uh, teaching and learning, that is um, one of our uh, bigger ticket items there, and that's to support our Sustainability Academy. Okay, uh, our next strategic focus area is wellness, equity, and um, belonging. And again, using one-time money and pandemic funding, uh, we've supported supported school counselors at the secondary campus and psychological services. And we've made investments to support students, teachers, and the community. Uh, we've had responsive, we're gonna have responsive classroom training for pre-K through five teachers. We're gonna install new playground equipment at Jesse Thackeray Preschool. We've had some contract uh, cost increases with Securitas, who is the uh, company we contract for our security guards in the front. And then, um, very exciting, we're going, we, putting, we are putting a great deal of money into lighting at the tennis courts. It's my understanding that um, Danny Schlitt is gonna also put some money towards that through the, from Parks and Rec. Uh, so looking at our next um, list of expenditures here, you'll see that the tennis court lighting is our biggest ticket item there. Okay, and then our next strategic focus area, resource management and continuous improvement, addressing cost increases really from 
uh, increases in insurance. Uh, our contract with the bus, uh, the bus stop arm camera uh, has increased and then just maintenance supplies. Uh, and in terms of investing in our school facilities, the baseball field is the only athletic um, facility at the school that did not see any improvements as a result of the building of the new high school. So uh, there are some um, well overdue uh, enhancements that need to be done. So we're gonna put some money into the baseball field as well as install a flagpole between the baseball and the softball fields. And then um, also looking at some adjustments to staffing based on enrollment. And so uh, looking at this, the expenditure adjustments, um, that most, the biggest ticket in there is our utility increases. Okay, so now I'm gonna talk real briefly about staffing alignment. Uh, we see, looking at next year, we believe that we'll be moving one first grade teacher and one para, first grade para, as well as one third grade teacher. As you can imagine, from year to year, uh, enrollment fluctuates. So if you look at here, um, if you look at first grade this year, we have 174 students, but the rising first grade class is only gonna have 133. And then you look at the current third grade class has 188 students, but the rising third grade class has 157. So. Uh, we've, you know, this is something that happens most every year that uh, grades change in terms of their enrollment. And we, oh, I don't think we've ever had to let anyone go. We usually just have to do a little bit of shuffling depending on where the enrollment lands. And so this is just a summary once again of our expenditure adjustments, uh, investing in our people, of course, is, is our, the biggest piece of our budget, and then uh, teaching and learning wellness, equity, and belonging, and resource management. We did have some unfunded requests. Uh, because our enrollment, it did increase uh, by 30 or so students, but it wasn't a huge increase. Uh, those positions that were requested that were um, asking for additional people or positions um, were not included in the budget. And then contract length changes will be reviewed as part of our salary study. And just a reminder, we are a people organization. 85.6% of our budget goes towards salaries and benefits. And this is, do you all want to talk about this piece? Okay. Yeah, it's me again, good evening. Um, just a couple, of, a couple of things that I wanted to um, share. And, and I wanna, first of all, um, again, say thank you for the incredible partnership that we've had um, over the last several years. Um, the budget process, it was funny, I was at a, we have a school affiliated organization group that I meet with once a month. And um, one of our uh, traditional budget hawks, when I came to um, the City of Falls Church Schools, I said to her, I said, you never come to our our budget meetings anymore. And she said, no, it's boring because it's so obvious what's gonna happen because of the revenue sharing agreement that's come to play. And she said, there's no more fireworks over uh, over the budget, which I thought, by the way, was a really good thing, right? Um, and so it's been really nice to sort of have this opportunity um, to, to smooth the work. Um, there are a couple of things that were mentioned in the uh, conversation from the chair tonight. Um, that I just wanted to hit on for a second. And the first was the um, market scale adjustment or the cost of living adjustment plus the step increase for employees. Um, one of the things that we are committed to um, overall in the City of Falls Church is to remain competitive with the region. And that's part of the reason that we're doing the salary study. And you'll notice on the slide who we're doing the salary study in comparison to. So it's Prince William, Arlington, Fairfax, Alexandria, and Loudoun counties. And those are typically those 
school districts that we either bring teachers in from or we lose teachers to, and that's why they were selected. Um, but recently we had an opportunity to review the Washington Area Boards of Education uh, fiscal year proposed budget salary comp uh, comparison. And I wanna make sure um, that you all know kind of where we are in the grand scheme of things. And I'll just briefly tell you what the total compensation increase is for a number of the surrounding jurisdictions that are in that study. Alexandria with their average step in COLA is increasing by 5%. Arlington is increasing by 5.26%. Fairfax is uh, uh, increasing by 5.22%. Loudoun is 5.8%. And Manassas and Manassas Park are both over 6%. Because of um, the way that we have, I think, been really good partners with the city council and operating within the guidance of the, the organic revenue, we built a budget that was based on that organic revenue and we got to a point where we could provide a 4.3% increase to our employees that includes the step and the cost of living adjustment. When you compare that to every other surrounding jurisdiction that's part of our compensation study and those that we're competing with, we're coming in far below what everybody else around us is giving. And so tonight I, I, I'm heartened and excited um, to hear again that there is additional revenue um, in the revenue share for us because the amount of money that um, will be split as part of the revenue sharing agreement would allow us to increase our cost of living adjustment by a full percentage, which would put us right in range with all of the surrounding jurisdictions. And that's really important, particularly right now as we're working on our compensation study. What we're finding in our compensation study is that we are um, well, we're close to the market average. And I, I want to um, take just a second to talk about the market, market average oops, uh, for a second. But, but before I do that, let me just say that Mar April 18th is the date that Siegel Corporation or Siegel Company will be doing the presentation for the school board uh, to share with them what the results of the compensation are. But the way that we're looking at the compensation study um, is really an important um, piece because I know that the, the general government is also looking at a compensation study. And when we approached this work, one of the things that we were really clear about with Siegel was that we wanted to be between 95% and 100% of the market average in the area of, of Northern Virginia. Um, we, we are in some places, at 98%, 99%, and we are at some places between 70 and 80% of the market average. Nowhere in that conversation did we ever say we wanted to be number one. We said that we wanted to get to the average. So um, one of the things that we're experiencing um, that I think the, the general government is also experiencing is that for us to be able just to get to the average market um, uh, scale, uh, is gonna take some additional funds. So the idea of us being able to um, gain a, a little bit of extra money through the revenue sharing agreement and being able to give that extra 1% really puts us in a place where we can at least maintain where we are in the general area of Northern Virginia. Um, it certainly doesn't bump us up because other surrounding jurisdictions are giving more than 5%, um, but it certainly gives us an opportunity to be uh, to remain somewhat competitive. So I, I wanted to say that up front. Um, and, and then I also wanted to, again, just sort of say, I, I remember our meeting in December um, and, and sitting together and, and coming in and 
I, as I recall, there was a little trepidation because maybe there was some back and forth between some of us about, you know, we really need 7% or 8% to make the school division um, really work and operate wholly. Um, and when I, and we got to the table and I said, just to take the wind out of the sails, everybody, we're gonna come in at guidance like we always have. Um, and we did, we did come in at guidance knowing that throughout the, the period of time when we came in originally in December and January, that there could be some changes in um, the way the revenue came in. And so we're really excited uh, about that opportunity. So um, that's just a little bit of information. The big, the big point that I wanna just could kind of put one more dot on and one more um, cross as a T is that um, right now, without the additional revenue, we do not remain competitive in the market regionally in our employee compensation. With the additional, excuse me, with the additional revenue, it holds us steady. Again, it doesn't move us up, but it at least holds us steady, and that's really important to us. Um, and again, we'd invite you to come to our compensation study presentation on April 18th, because we, we are gonna get some good information that will be really helpful for us to think about how we're gonna organize our salary scales going forward, um, and, and look at career ladders for employees and the like. So and with that, I will turn it back to, oh, maybe you want to take it home? Yeah, just all right, I'll just take it home. All right, so in closing, um, you know, Virginia mandates that the superintendent has to provide what's considered a needs-based budget. Um, and we, we've been able to do that fairly successfully. Um, but each, each time I've presented it, um, I've always said that we have these unfunded and unmet needs. Um, but again, because of the revenue sharing agreement that we have in place, I, I have committed um, our team and I've committed ourselves to live by the spirit of that. Um, our, our advertised budget really does reflect in the end what our highest priorities are. And if you look at that budget presentation that Chair Downs just shared, you'll see that our number one priority is the people in the system. And, and one of the things that we know about the City of Falls Church Schools is that when you ask parents, what do you love about our schools? It's always the teachers, oftentimes the health aid too. Um, but definitely our teachers um, are there and, and front and center and working hard. So we've got to work really hard on their behalf to make sure that they are compensated appropriately. Again, we fell within organic guidance um, and are excited about the opportunity to grow. And our overall budget, when we put this presentation together, actually grows by 5.1%. Um, and that will be 6.1% with the additional revenue. Um, the local funding will be going up, but our state revenue um, increase plus our federal fees and other fees allow us to grow at a little bit greater rate. So here's the budget calendar. Um, nobody will be able to read this um, from where you're sitting, um, but a couple of, uh, couple of points um, to be made here. One is that the school board has done an incredible amount of work on this budget along with staff. Uh, we've been at this since really September, October when we started meeting with our staff. In November, um, we, we had one of our first meetings when we talked about enrollment projections. We've held public hearings, we've held public comments, we've done budget work sessions, we've answered over 40 budget questions for the school board and we've done our diligence putting, putting the work in on the front end. And I, I know some of you have been able to come to our meetings and really appreciate you being there and engaging early. So, um, so with that, um, we'll just wrap up with where do you get more information? So anyone who's watching uh, and wants more information about our budget, 100% transparency, it is on our website, along with all of the budget questions and answers that have been done. 
Um, we, we continue to hold meetings talking about the budget. Uh, we've been out in the community talking about the budget. We've been in schools talking about the budget. And again, if you want information, you can go to our website to get that information. And with that, um, we will just end and just say thank you one more time uh, for your, your diligence uh, in this process. Um, but please know that um, this is no longer the superintendent's budgets. Uh, this is now the school board's budget. They adopted it as their advertised budget. Um, so the questions that you have really um, should be, uh, I'll help answer them, but they are directed to the school board um, since they have gone through the hearing processes and, and the like um, to put together their budget. So with that, I'll back away and turn it back over to the city manager um, for, for questions. All right, thank you very much. We appreciate uh, all the fine work that went into and all the difficult work that went into putting these budgets together. Um, why don't we go ahead and open it up to questions or comments from council, either for the school folks or the city side. Does anyone have any questions or comments? I think it's gonna be a pretty easy budget year then. Uh, now, <laughs> okay, Ms. Leon? Um, I have one to start off with, but I, I think I might, I have a couple that I'm formulating up here, but Dr. Noonan, a question for you. That compensation study, does it cover the full range of um, positions that are under your stead? Is it teachers and paras and custodians or what's the scope? It does, the scope is every employee. Um, we were able to give a, a defined number of positions for them to benchmark off of, mm -hmm. but every uh, employee group will be benchmarked against those that core group. So uh, when you say that your goal is 95 to 100% of market average, that's across all those roles? Correct. Okay. Not number one, we're just trying to get to average. Just average. Okay, and you feel that with that, that'll be competitive. It will keep us in a steady state. Mm. Um, as, as much as possible, it will keep us at a steady state. If we, if we grow, if we give a compensation package that, uh, or a step in a COLA that's the equivalent of 5.2% as opposed to 4.2%, mm -hmm. that's gonna be really close to what a lot of our colleagues are giving. Um, but I also know that they're looking for more revenue. And so if they go up to 6%, we're losing ground. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one, right? Because, I mean, when you, the label competitive pay refers to, it implies it's pay that's um, comparable or better than the market value of that position. Right. So, which means it's higher than average. Right. All right. So, Mr. Shields, I'm going to turn... Sorry. Feel, feel free to ask him as many questions as you want. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Noonan. Let me wear my glasses. Um, Wyatt, remind me, what, what is the city's goal? Is it consistent with 95 to 100% of market average? Are you shooting for less or what? what's your goal? So with uh, our work with our compensation study, we were trying to hit the median of our basket of uh, comparable jurisdictions. And so um, I would characterize it as as 100% of the median. That, that's what we accomplished by implementing the recommendations from Evergreen. Okay. All right, other questions, comments? Ms. Connolly. Uh, Mr. Shields, you did not mention my favorite thing, which is the um, retirement Ira Callen dividend, but I'm assuming that is included in the budget. It is, and it is noted in the manager's message, and it's okay. in the budget document. 
But so $640,000 of avoided actuarial required contribution to the pension fund is uh, the savings for the taxpayers in the city, and that's the equivalent of about 1.2 cents on the tax rate. And have we broken even on that yet, that we made that investment ten, eight years ago? So we have or... exceeded the 7% annual return on investment projection that we made when the investment was made. The monies that we've done to exceed that, we keep as a special reserve in the pension fund. And this is something you've right. been briefed on, but something that Ms. Mester worked on very hard with the chair of the retirement board. And then that sort of um, return on equity is now invested essentially in cash or cash equivalent investments to be a hedge against market declines. We had big market declines last year. Um, if we have multiple years of market declines, then we would draw on those prior year um, uh, surpluses. I think I've stated that right. It was fairly complex, the methodology, but I think that's a kind of an encaps encapsulation. The goal was to protect that 640000 even if the market goes up and down. The last thing we would want is to have a recession, and not only do we have the normal ARC problem, but in addition, we've lost the 640000 We really wanted to protect against that type of a situation. I think we did that pretty well. And the only thing I could add quickly, just sort of in a real um, com short comparison, the initial endowment for both basic and police was $9.2 and the value of interest earnings to the city that are either being used or saved is 5.6. So not quite breaking even, but a very good return on the investment. For on the way to breaking even. Um, and then another thing I just think of note, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, is that uh, the commercial assessments are going up, which is nice to see. But we have not included that CNI tax that we talked about last year. So I think that's just important to note that when you're doing a comparison from other jurisdictions to Falls Church, we don't have a CNI tax in there, and others may. And I think that that's just an important in the, the general comparison. Um, and then several people mentioned how we used to do budgeting and how we're doing budgeting now. And I have to say that this is a great improvement from when I first got on city council and the presentation of budget was the beginning of a, of a months long battle. And this is much more collegial and much better for the whole city. So thank you for that as well. All right. I guess we'll go down this way. Um, Ms. Sardi, Vice Mayor Hardy. Great, thank you. Um, thank you, Dr. Noon and Mr. Shields. A question for both of you to start things off. Um, as you all have said that we are a uh, people business, um, what are the increases in FTEs across general government and schools? And uh, Mr. Shields in particular, I appreciate that we are taking a couple of one-time funded positions and converting them into the budget because I think that is a more sustainable way of doing things. But if you know off the top of your head, what is the total number of increase in FTEs? So we do have an increase, and let me uh, check in with Kieran, because part of the things we did with this budget is fund some FTEs who were funded in mid-year. We're at 237 FTEs, which is, um, I'm sorry, 227 FTEs. Thank you, Kieran. And, um, and I'm going to turn it over to Mr. Noonan, and then I'll get back with you on the, on the increase. What? What? That's what I said, 237. So our, our, thanks for the question. Our overall impact, um, we are adding a uh, 1.0 advanced academic teacher at Oak Street Elementary, but we are also reducing three teachers. So our net impact is actually um, a reduction of two teachers. 
or two, two FTE. And how many teachers. positions do we have that are ARPA funded that we still need to take care of in uh, the next year? I have year? to get back to you. Okay. I, I want to, but uh, the general nature of the ARPA funding, posi funded positions are mental health. Uh, we've got a uh, school psychologist, school social worker, a school counselor, and the like. So yeah. No, all very important. It's just something that I yep. want to make sure we keep in mind. I want to make sure you got where they were. And what's the total number of school employees compared to the 227 in general government? Uh, I think we were right about 500. They're 501, I think, the last time I went. Okay. okay. Uh, Mr. Shields, going back to your deck. Is this, I know you noted this was the first year, or uh, we had some declining debt service. Is this the first year that we're seeing declining in debt service compared to our peak years? Is this be the beginning of the down of the hill? Um, Ms. Bawa, do you want to answer that, just in terms of the trends on, on debt service? I know we have Mary Ellen Henderson debt rolling off next year. That'll be in, um, yes, and then we have a payout of other debt in 2026. Okay. That's, I think that is the Mary Ellen Henderson and other debt. That's is this the first year that we're seeing yeah. declining debt service though? Correct. So that's good news. Right. And also this is the fourth year of the ground lease payment that's built into the capital reserves. Okay. Uh, Continuing on, um, when we see the, when we do deep dive in work session, Mr. Shields and Ms. Bawa, I'd love to see the real estate assessed values in comparison with our neighbors. Normally we kind of look at what the regional picture looks like and I think that would be helpful to understand how we compare for both residential, commercial. I did note that on slide 16 that we've broken out commercial into multifamily, which I know traditionally we've been assessing as commercial, but I do think it's healthy to note, for example, multifamily in the past two years has nearly doubled so we've been building a lot of multifamily rentals, but that's clearly made an impact to our total real estate value. So thank you for breaking that out. Uh, I think that's it for now for me. Thank you both for the presentations. All right, Ms. Hiscott. Yeah, just to follow on, we, that the multifamily has increased at a rate that has not, you know, uh, overwhelmed our schools either. We haven't increased our population, school population at that same rate that those multifamilies have grown, which, you know, has been a um, point of discussion over many, many years. Um, two questions along with that, um, showing the real estate assessment in uh, local jurisdictions. We show the average person, the average resident's gonna be paying $11 more in stormwater, $15 more in sanitary, 364 more in their home, and then their car decreases as a percentage. Do we have, um, can we get to a number that says this is what the average resident has, I know there's a number, obviously a wide variety of number of cars and uh, average assessment, but it'd be nice to kind of have that as an average dollar amount as well. So here are all the increases, here's what the average decreases, so can kind of net that out. That'd be great. I know it's a little challenging, but that would be great. And then another question on the rapid response crew that we've funded for this year that I don't believe we had an opportunity to hire yet, so it'll be I think we funded it for a full year. We won't have a full year of expenditure. So is it gonna be some kind of blend in this next operating budget of carryover of dollars from ARPA dollars? Well, we're hoping to have that um, team hired by the beginning of the fiscal year. So we are budgeting for it for the full fiscal year and 24. Okay, and carryover from this year, how, we have six months we budgeted for for this year and so we'll have expended 
not full six months. <laughs> so we'll have a, a discussion with the city council about the current year's underspending due to vacancies or for other reasons and allocating those to needs in the city. Mm -hmm. um, but um, I think that'll be a, a future discussion. I think okay. that'll probably be a May kind of uh, final budget amendment for the year type of discussion. Okay. And then, um, Dr. Noonan, just confirmation that those numbers you cited from Alexandria, Arlington, Fairfax, those are all already their projections for this fiscal year, comparable budget that, sets. That's correct. Okay. It's from the 2024 proposed budget salary comparison from the Washington Area Boards of Education Guide or the WABY Guide. Can you say that again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. And that's it for the moment. Thank you. Mr. Duncan, there are two things that I would like to become more comfortable with in this budget, which has many fine attributes to it. Um, one is I'm I'm uh, a little fuzzy on uh, compensation uh, for the school staff compared to compensation for the city staff. Now I know we have consultants and information has been shared here tonight, but um, I guess I would like to at the end of this budget process, be able to um, say or at least understand what equity in pay means relative to a typical city employee, senior planner or a custodian, and a typical schools employee. I don't, think, I don't think we've ever really done that explicitly, and I feel like as as we get further down the road, that is something that you know, requires some attention because I think it's important that we communicate to everyone that we value all of our employees uh, and the work they do. And we have high expectations on both the general government side and the school side. So that's just a, I guess, request for information, I suppose, as much as anything. Um, the other is it's good, very good. Thank you for the uh, regional comparisons uh, on compensation. Uh, as we go through the process, I would like to know, if you know something now, all the better, but usually it doesn't come clear until a little bit later on, what the other jurisdictions around us are doing in terms of their tax rate. Uh, the missing tooth in this budget is that we're not sustaining the momentum of reductions in the tax rate that we have established over the last couple of years, or at least certainly last year in a very uh, you know, uh, good way, I think. It helps promote harmony in the community. <laughs> and I know we all like harmony in the community. Um, so I would like, you know, at the earliest possible opportunity to, I've read in the newspaper, what uh, Fairfax um, appears to be headed, the direction they appear to be headed on their tax rate. But I'd like to know, you know, other jurisdictions that are closer to us in size and just as an informational item to be able to tell our constituents that we are, you know, keeping pace with uh, our neighbors regionally. Uh, or for some reason this year, we're not going to do that because we have many other needs. I'd like to see a progress dividend declared and the form of a, you know, slice in the tax rate. I understand that others want to see that progress dividend invested in, uh, you know, services and, and activities that general government uh, you know, is obliged to do it, and in some cases, uh, you know, needs to do a little better or needs to do uh, better if we can hire the people to get the work done. So those are two 
questions, I guess. Not for tonight's answering, but just to put them out there. Uh, the one thing in the school's presentation I thought was interesting, and I'm just curious what you all, how you all read it. The number of people, number of pupils who are in the lower income uh, quadrant, there was a, I think, increase of like 15% or something on the chart. And, and I'm, I'm intrigued by that uh, because, you know, we spent a lot of our time talking about affordability of housing and how people are being driven out and, you know, the new apartment buildings that we've built have a certain number of affordable units and that's, that's something, but it's never, it never seems to be enough on our side that we're doing, you know, whatever it's needed to attract uh, lower income folks to the community. And yet somehow they're turning up at our school system. And I'm just curious as to where, you know, where are they coming from? Uh, are we getting better at identifying them? What's the, where's that data you know, coming from? That's a, it's a great question. Um, thanks for asking it. I, I think um, affordable is probably a relative term, um, in, especially in Falls Church. Um, but I will say that um, w one thing we need to do over the next couple of years is monitor that number. And the reason that we need to do that is uh, you may recall during the pandemic, um, all students in the City of Falls Church schools, regardless of income level, got, got free lunch and free breakfast. Um, so there wasn't necessarily a requirement that everyone quali qualify, quote unquote, qualify for free and reduced lunch. This year, that benefit is gone. Um, so what we're seeing is um, we're seeing families fill out the form again. So I, I'm, I'm not sure um, where that number is, but it could be an increased number of, of folks that you know, lost their jobs during the pandemic and now qualify. Um, hard, to, hard to say, but it is a number we're gonna watch pretty closely. Um, I did wanna, if, if I may, uh, um, Council Member Duncan, just sort of comment on your question regarding equity. And I know that you've sort of asked for information and I, I think that Mr. City Manager Shields and I can pull that together. I think one of the things that's complicated um, in our two different salary studies is the language isn't exactly the same. Um, so in the language of the general government's um, process, they're calling it um, the median and we're calling it the average. Um, but I think we're both trying to achieve the same thing. Um, we're trying, at least on the school side, we're trying to get between 95 and 100% of the average or median. And then um, the, the general government is trying to get to 100% of the median or the average. So I think we're trying to accomplish the same thing. I think the language just might be a little bit different. Um, but, but at the end of the day, um, one of the things that we're seeing in our data that's really interesting is um, there's a compression, and this is probably more information than you probably want tonight, but there's a compression around the salaries in the multiple divisions that we're looking at. Um, so within a, a range, we could be one or we could be sixth. It just depends on um, another thousand dollars or whatever the case may be. But the bottom line is with our, with respect to our compensation study, we're trying to get to between 95 and 100% of the median uh, income, uh, median salary, just like the general government is. Okay, well, like I say, at the end of the day, it would be nice to land at a place that's easy to explain to folks. Um, uh, oh golly, what was my other question? Uh, uh, fiddle. <laughs> Had it in my head and it slipped away. Okay, I'll come back to it a little bit later. Thanks. Mr. Snyder. Thanks very much. Um, so I want to ask both managers, um, both of your budgets were built on a 4.2% 
um, organic revenue growth. Is that right? I mean, that was the guidance provided. Um, so that was when we began the budget process, that is what we were working under. Right. And I will just state um, that w with the initiatives that we were trying to fund or that the council had already partially funded in FY23 and sustaining those into 24, we knew that that was going to be a challenge. Um, and so I, I will say that that was the initial planning uh, number, um, but uh, that, that was a very difficult budget constraint, just given the rising costs um, that we are grappling with on the general government side. I, I'll, I'll state that. So I'm answering your question, but also kind of sort of uh, coloring it just a little bit. So let me ask the chief financial officer. Um, so apparently the, the good news is that we're ahead of the 4.2 organic growth number. Is that right? Correct. Where are we? Uh, we are a little over a million, and we can provide all the details as okay, part of the Okay, how about percentage terms? It's 4.2. What is it now? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a little above 5.3. 5.3, okay. So the city manager, if, if I recall your slide, you said your slide indicated 5.25, right? All I'm trying to do is get comparative numbers so that we understand budget guidance versus where we are today. So, um, so and let I me may, ask. If I may give a little bit a longer response. Sure. So the 4.2 was built with 3.9% in uh, real estate and then other tax increases. That was back in December. And now um, all general, so the split, the revenue share is between the tax revenues, right? So the general fund tax revenues. Um, over the fiscal year 2023 is a 5.6% increase as okay. compared to the 4.2 that was done in December. I like we're, we're, we're going higher here. That, no. That's a good movement. So no. that, that, okay. is, that, is, that is all the general fund revenues, um, tax revenues included. Okay. However, um, if, if you split it 50-50, then the, tax, the increase that comes to um, the school side, if you see that slide, the number, the 23 number is 46 million for the general government and then 47 million is a slight difference. So if you do a 50-50, that percentage tippers a little bit, changes the point, the decimal point changes a little bit. Okay. So um, that becomes 5.3. Again, I'm, I'm trying to achieve equivalence to the projection when we agreed to the budget guidance was 4.2%. That's correct. That we would have total organic growth that then would be split between the city and the schools based upon the revenue sharing, right? Right. So what is that number today? What is the equivalent of 4.2% in December when we established the budget guidance? What is that today? It's a 5.6%. 5.6. Okay. So let me ask the school superintendent, if you get, continue to get 50% now of 5.6 as opposed to 4.2, mm -hmm. will that be an adequate amount to fund the, as you discussed it, the compensation that would, that would, 
kick your budget above the 4.2%, the additional compensation? If, if we get, I'm a little bit confused about some of the, the numbers myself. I think 5.6 is the total revenue, but we don't split all of the revenue in the city. We only, we, okay. there's some that's peeled off. So our portion represents 5.26, not 5.6. So um, if, we, if we get the 5.26, which is the organic revenue, which we've all agreed we would share, um, that would certainly help us um, in the compensation arena. I think the concern is that based on what I'm seeing from surrounding jurisdictions, uh, they're giving around the same amount, which will hold us in a steady state. Mm -hmm. um, so we won't lose, we won't necessarily lose ground. We, we, won't, uh, we won't gain ground either. Okay. Uh, I think that answers my question. All, all I'm trying to do is we praise, there was great praise for the revenue sharing tonight that we both presentations said we met our our targets when they were set in December at 4.2%. Do we do both sides of the budget continue to um, stay within the organic growth as we now know it? So I'll including the additional compensation that you talked about toward the end of your presentation. I'll answer for the schools. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned in December, we really needed somewhere between seven and nine percent mm -hmm. to really be successful in the compensation study, in the work that we're trying to accomplish. But as good partners, we came in at organic growth. Mm -hmm. So anything that gets us closer to seven to nine percent is absolutely helpful to us. So we, we, we definitely will use those funds towards compensation to remain competitive. So are you saying your request is above the revenue sharing agreement? No. No. No, okay. I'm saying that we'll continue to live by the revenue sharing agreement. Okay. But ev every dollar that comes in in organic growth, I think we would expect to share. That's that's what I'm... Got it. Saying. Okay. That That's what I'm trying to establish tonight. What What is the equivalent to the 4.2% that both of our managers said that they were working to keep within? Now, Wyatt, I think, has said he had to go above that, but we also know that organic growth has grown above the 4.2%. And I'm just trying to establish that both sides of the budget will continue to be within the organic growth per what we discussed in December. And the good news for both is that the organic growth has, has, has gone above the 4.2%. That's right. Okay, And, and we'll still you? live within the what is up there, which is 5.26%. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks very much. Um, I had one other question. I saw where the, the schools had approved a resolution on collective bargaining. Had that been discussed with city council before? Oh, it wasn't. Um, and it hasn't been approved yet. Um, okay. It will go for second reading tomorrow night. Okay. Um, but I'll, I'll let the chair answer that. I just wondered if it had been discussed with the schools in view of our cooperative approach to things. Um, we've we've had a number been of conversations internally council. about it. I, do, uh -huh. I don't know that the, the council has gotten a briefing. Okay, just a request that we do, um, um, preferably before the action, but certainly we understand what the potential ramifications might happy, be. Happy to send the resolution. Um, actually, it's up on board docs, but we'll send it to everybody on the on the council tomorrow. Okay, and I, I would appreciate a fulsome discussion at some point. Thank you. 
All right, why don't we try to wind the conversation down? I know this can go on for a long time. We do have other things on the agenda and we do have other opportunities to ask additional questions, um, but I have a few as well. Let me start with Wyatt. Um, what's that? Well, no, everyone else is, this is my turn to ask just a couple of things, but I do want to start moving on. Okay, thank you. Um, Wyatt, this tourism and the grant administrator, $130,000, just give me like two seconds on what is that and how long does that go on for? So the tourism grant, this is something that the EDA applied for and the council has actually already appropriated it. Yeah, I remember some of this talk That's a while right. ago. Um, so that is to help with marketing the city as a tourism destination. Um, and we'll be using uh, really in partnership with the Vir Virginia Department of Tourism. So we're kind of using their uh, website and you know trying to guide people to use our hotels and our hospitality and our restaurants. And is this a long-term position or what's the... So now the tourism position, uh, you know, there's not a position associated. The grant administrator. With that. The, so there's that's a different thing. So the okay. grant administrator is really to to address um, the many opportunities for grant dollars that exist today because of uh, uh, the bills that were passed by Congress in the last two years. So we are administering, as the CIP notes, $81 million of new grants. I think we're in the process right now of administering about $47 million of grants. And so it's, it's just a big growth area in the city. So we're asking for, for additional grant administrative support. That is funded in part with grant dollars because Ironically, we can, what's that? I said it's ironic, isn't it? Or well, we can, you know, you can charge some of your overhead to, to these grants. And so, but not 100% of it. And so um, some of it is being funded by local taxpayers as well. And that's $130,000. Is that what the annual cost is for that person? So salary plus benefits. So that's a pretty steep hire. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an important, you know, technically uh, rigorous position. Got it. Okay. And that's a full-time permanent position. It is. And that's what's proposed here. And that's largely just because of the size of this capital program that, that you see. And we also anticipate that, th that the opportunities for these federal grants is going to last for another two years or so. And then we'll be spending it over, you know, probably the next several years. So we typically, you know, we, for these positions, many of these like building permit fee positions, the ARPA positions, and this grant administration position, we try to plan at least three years ahead. So we think we can sustain it for at least three years after that. You know, we have to see what the economy is doing. Got it. On the library, doing the math, it looks like it's $400 an hour to extend the library. Does that sound right to you? So I know a great deal of discussion and analysis went into that. And it's, it's much more than sort of the, the basic uh, discussion that you've said. Um, and we can talk about that in more detail. The basic piece of it is, is we don't hire temps just to come in and turn the lights on. Um, our library staffing, we hire professionals who do a whole host of things. So if we're gonna keep the library open, we hire people uh, that are gonna do the whole suite of customer service uh, to serve our patrons. But aren't they just essentially the current employees who work, some of which will work two hours more? So it's, um, I think there are additional positions that um, are part of the overall proposal from the library director that, and, and, and their discussions with the library board. Okay, I think it'd probably be good to hear a little bit more about okay. what's going on with that. Let me ask just, I know everyone else has asked about this, I think because it was a bit confusing how it was explained, at least to me. Um, both of your goals are to be um, essentially at the median or, you know, 
90 to 100 percent or thereabouts of the median compensation. So just as an example, if the average, if the range of compensation is 50 to 100, the average would be 75. Let's say the median would be 75. That's what you're aiming for, 100 percent of 75. Is that right on the city side? That's correct. So 75 is what you're looking at. Same thing for schools. Just to be clear, ours is more around the mean. So our compensation study group has given us the mean of the surrounding jurisdictions that we're trying to get to between 95 and 100 percent of the mean. Okay. So same same idea. What's that? Same idea, just a different different calculus. <laughs> okay. And your basket of jurisdictions is six, close in six, five, five close in five. Why? What's yours? So we had a, um, our consultant used a slightly larger basket, I think, of 10 jurisdictions. Okay. I mean, I would just suggest for both of you all at some point get together on what jurisdictions you're using, because if you use like Arlington and Alexandria, you're going to get a higher number than if you use Prince William County or someplace farther out. And I think all of us up here, most of us, if not all of us, would want to see fair compensation all the way across the board for everybody, not a little bit different here, a little bit different there. And so... I think it'd be useful to use the same basket of jurisdictions or comparison groups for both models you're doing or analysis. I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave that to the city manager. I will tell you our methodology was who are we losing teachers to and who are we getting teachers from? And that was the main reason that we used the five. So, but I understand what you're asking. Got it. I mean, it just seems to me like basic fairness, just you, you know, seek the same level of compensation, equality, or whatever you want to call it, equity, um, for our employees on both sides of the aisle or whatever you want to, want to call it. Thank you. We agree in principle. Um, and and it, this is highly technical work. And, and, and I'm, I'll just maybe we can, um, but the principle I agree with. I, maybe the consultants can just talk a little bit to, to try to even up the basket just a little bit. I know things are about to get started, but nonetheless, I personally would think it'd be a useful. And I, I don't know exactly which jurisdictions you're using, but some of them don't have schools, I would imagine. Towns. towns as well. So different. That was going to be my question. I got it. Well, then maybe they're included within that basket then because Herndon and Fairfax County for employees would be included in within Fairfax County in terms of that would be part of the group that would be used. I, have no, I don't take issue with that because the schools include those towns and the towns might be separately broken out for compensation. Nonetheless, it's the same geographical area, right, as you would be using otherwise. Look, I don't want to belabor the point right now, but I do think just having the same basic basket of folks to compare to is a useful and fair exercise to go through. And so I would suggest that. And let me get back to just salaries a little bit. I was under the impression that our teacher compensation was near the top, if not the top in the area. Is that not the case anymore? We are, we are around the top. Um, we're, we, it, it depends on where you are uh, in terms of your education, your position, Got it. and the like. So you might be, you won't be number one if you're a, a bachelor's coming out of college with a, with a teaching degree. There's another jurisdiction that's one. We might be two. However, if you've been with us for 10 years and you have a master's and 45 extra hours of you may be one there and, and others may be somewhere else. So we, we hit the one mark in a few spots, but we're not one across the board. We'd love to be one, but we, economically it would be too much of a challenge to be honest. 
Got it. I understand in general, there's going to be anomalies, there's going to be this or that here and there. My general impression was that we were pretty near the top in general. Is that a fair statement or not I, a fair statement? I would statement? say it's a... It's a fair statement in that the differential between one and five or one and six is really narrow. In some cases, it might be as little as $650. If we paid one person who, for example, is a teacher with a master's in 10 years, if they're in Prince William County, they might be making this much money, which is $600 more than they're making with us, but they may be, Prince William might be one and we might be number five because the four jurisdictions are between us. And it's a gradation of $100 here, $100 there. So, so the we're really is, close. The band is very tight within <laughs> very this tight. group of six or group yep. of five or whatever it is. In, in many cases, it's really tight. Okay, and it sounds like that's not the case necessarily in city compensation. <clears throat> I think generally our bands are wider. Okay. Um, just as a blanket statement. Okay. I think I would like maybe my colleagues as well would like a little more information about just kind of how all this works, what you're thinking about it, um, to make sure that we understand fully where we, we stand with relation to our competitors, where we want to be, where we're heading towards and the like. I think it'd be useful. We'd love to have you come to the, the meeting on the 18th too, because that's when the uh, company that's doing our compensation study will be presenting. Got it. All right. Thank you. Are there any other pressing comments anyone would like to make before we move on to our next topic or take a break? All right, thank you all for some very good presentations, very thorough and very informative presentations. We know we got a lot more, lot more work to do, a lot more conversations and outreach to have, but for the moment, this has been very helpful. Thank you all for coming out.